There are 90,000 dams in the U.S. across 44 states. Just over 1,600 of them pose potential risks, according to an investigation by the Associated Press out this month. Risk and water levels are only rising as we see more extreme rainfall as part of intense storms, testing dams and levees for that matter. As the song inspired by the Great Mississippi Flood of 1922 goes, if it keeps on raining, the levee's gonna break. When the levee breaks, I'll have no place to stay. When Kansas Joe McCoy and Memphis Minnie recorded that song in 1929, the Great Flood of Mississippi had displaced 100,000 people and left 27,000 acres underwater. We've been trying to manage vast volumes of water ever since. From what we've seen recently, let's take Oroville, California, for example, more potential dam breaches are on the horizon. Today, we'll find out what's in store downstream from an expert in dam safety. This is Hard Facts. I'm Eric Kuhn. Today, we're speaking with Mark Ogden, technical specialist and project manager for the Association of State Dam Safety Officials. The association's mission is to improve the condition and safety of dams through education, support for state dam safety programs, and fostering a unified dam safety community. Mark is a civil engineer with over 25 years of experience in his field, and he's also a golfer, which means he knows all about water hazards. Good morning, Mark. Uh, Good morning, Eric. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for joining us. First, give us an overview of your work with the association. In particular, I work with a lot of the state programs. I worked for over 25 years with Ohio's Dam Safety Program, and my role with the association is to help assist the state programs in understanding data and information that we get from other states and from the federal government. We compile all that information and try to assist the states in growing their programs, making them stronger, doing research about how states can work better providing basic technical expertise, I guess, to a lot of issues that come up within the association. There's a lot of data out there about the state of the 90,000 dams across the 44 states in the U.S. and their relative condition. Can you describe any doomsday scenarios from what you've called hazard creep that's been growing among dams at risk across the U.S.? Sure. Hazard creep is an ongoing issue that has occurred. There were a lot of dams built in uh, the United States in the 40s, 50s, 60s of the 20th century. And those dams maybe were built out in areas that were more rural, and there really was nothing around those. As development has occurred over time, now those dams that were maybe considered low hazard potential, where if the dam failed, there's really no risk to people or any property. But with development downstream, those dams are now considered high hazard potential, where there are homes and businesses and other things downstream of those dams. So now they face a tougher standard because of safety concerns. There are uh, certainly lots of examples of dams where a dam that was built as a low hazard potential with reduced standards now faces an upgrade because of the increased risk downstream. And there are many dams like that throughout the country, state dam safety programs and federal agencies that have dams and are working to upgrade those dams to make sure that those people downstream are safe. 
We've heard cost estimates of upward to $21 billion to rehab a lot of these dams that are at risk, and most of them are private. What kind of incentives are there out there to compel owners to invest sooner than later to try and correct this issue? Many dam safety programs in the state have loan programs or grant programs that can be used to help dam owners upgrade their dams. Unfortunately, sometimes a lot of those don't apply to private dam owners. They're maybe more for local governments or municipalities in the state government that owns dams. There is definitely a need for more funding for dam owners. I mean, ultimately, it is the dam owner's responsibility to maintain their dam and upgrade it as needed, maintain it in a safe manner. But there are a lot of issues that are out of the control of dam owners, and hazard creep being one that we've mentioned already, where really the dam owner doesn't have any control over what development might occur downstream, but now they face the cost of upgrading their dam. And, and that's one reason why there really need to be some type of funding to assist dam owners, you know, whether it's loans or grants, but just to be able to make these upgrades and be able to provide for public safety. The state programs, the regulatory programs do have enforcement capability. And so in really serious cases, they can take action to ensure the safety, so force the dam owner to make repairs if needed. But most dam owners are willing to make the repairs and understand the need. Lack of funding, though, is, is a big issue. Are there any model state or federal programs that people may not know that much about out there, uh, either currently or on the horizon, that might help owners underwrite some of these rehab costs? There is a federal program that has just recently come into existence, and it's designed specifically for um, high-hazard potential dams. And, and again, just to be clear, that a high-hazard potential dam is one that failure of that dam would result in loss of life. So it's not a reflection on the, the condition of the dam necessarily, just what might happen if the dam were to fail. But this new federal program does address the need to upgrade deficient high-hazard potential dams. It can apply to a broad range of dam owners under a state regulatory program. So that's a new program that received some funding past year for the first time, $10 million. It hopefully you know, can be appropriated again this year. It's authorized levels are even higher and can provide some real needed funding for dam owners to be able to make these type of improvements. So our association and, and other engineering groups are really pushing Congress to fund those programs. There are some states that have financial assistance programs as well, as I'd mentioned Many of those are more loans as opposed to grants, but those can also be important. New Jersey is, is a great example. They have had a bond issue several years ago where they were able to create a fund for loans and grants to dam owners to be able to make upgrades. Many other states are implementing programs like this, although it's something that's still a big need, and we are trying to work to help promote these types of funds within other states. You mentioned the $10 million I can't help but look at the infrastructure program that the presidential candidate Biden introduced yesterday, uh, where he says he wants to put $1.3 trillion toward infrastructure. It doesn't seem to mention dams specifically, but if you had the ear of Biden or any of the other 2020 presidential candidates right now, what would you underscore to them to impress upon them the importance of the situation that we have today? Well, we definitely feel that 
you know, an investment in rehabilitating dams will pay dividends because of the potential cost in lives and property if one of these dams fails. So even though the federal government may not own these dams, they certainly have an interest and would be probably called upon in a disaster uh, to help respond. Um, the same is true for state and local government. So it is important to keep in mind that this category of infrastructure of dams does exist, and there are unfortunately many dams that need to be upgraded for a variety of reasons. You know, we would point out there is an existing federal program, but you know, $10 million doesn't come anywhere near being able to cover what is needed. And the federal government definitely has a, a role to play in this, and we would certainly encourage increased funding and attention from the federal government to this issue. What sort of timetable are we looking at to rehab some of the riskiest dams on the inventory? For the worst dams in the worst condition or the greatest risk, the state programs and the federal agencies that uh, oversee these dams are likely working with those dam owners right now to make sure either that that deficiency is getting addressed or it's being remediated in some way. So there might be an interim measure that's being taken, such as draining the reservoir behind the dam or lowering the pool level or putting in place some sort of a warning system, something like that. As you know, these really serious problems are identified, they are most likely being looked at carefully by the dam owner and the regulatory community. Other dams where maybe the deficiencies are not as urgent or immediate it can take a few years for dam owners to put together their financing that's needed to make the repairs, have engineering studies and analysis done, and develop a set of plans and specifications for the repair and go through the approval processes and then to have the construction completed. So, you know, following the identification of a problem with a dam through a, a routine inspection, it can take several years, maybe upwards of four or five years or longer, depending on the scope of the project, to get it implemented. So it's important to keep in mind that this periodic inspection and identification of these type of problems, and then whether it's some sort of an intermediate risk reduction measure, like lowering a pool, and then just continued inspection to and monitoring of the situation to make sure that nothing is progressing in terms of a failure mode. These are all important to keep in mind as we're moving through the process to get the dams upgraded and rehabilitated. Now, at the Association of State Dam Safety Officials, your title is Technical Specialist and Project Manager, but you're also uh, involved in states' outreach. Can you give us an example of a state's outreach success story? We do outreach in terms of legislative advocacy. We've had some successes. Unfortunately, there have been proposals in state legislatures in recent years to limit the scope of a state dam safety program. There are, from time to time, come up proposals to exempt certain categories of dams, maybe by certain owners, such as agricultural owners or different types of categories like that. And so we've been able to work with other partners, other engineering groups, such as the American Society of Civil Engineers, and raise awareness about the concerns with doing something like this. We have been successful in some cases in getting these proposals pushed back and defeated. Unfortunately, there's also been instances where we have not been successful, and there are exemptions that have gone into place in uh, some states you know, for these type of things. 
real issue for public safety in those states. Other outreach, though, that we do for the state in terms of training, we do provide a lot of training for both technical training for dam safety officials, engineers, but we have a huge program that we've developed for dam owners where we have outreach to the dam owners. We provide different educational materials and things that the state dam safety programs can use to help educate the dam owners about potential problems with dams and how to go about rehabilitating their dams, how to develop an emergency action plan. We've also developed some materials that state dam safety programs can use with the general public. We have a publication at a website on the Living Near Dams. It provides information for people who may live in an area either around or downstream of a dam and what they should know about those dams and how they should be prepared in the case of an emergency. So that's some examples of some of the things that the association does in terms of outreach to the state programs to help assist them with their mission. Some listeners might be surprised uh, and others who live downstream might be angry to learn that there isn't really a national standard for dam inspections in the United States. If you were to advise the federal government, say, on designing what would become the first national standard for dam inspections, what were some of the key elements you'd include? There is a model state dam safety program that's been developed by the National Dam Safety Program, and our association works with FEMA, where that program is housed, in developing that model. And that would really be the basis for how a state would go about designing their program. And that was the original intent of the model was for states to be able to look at that and develop their programs appropriately. This was many years ago as some states didn't have dam safety programs and were just beginning to develop them. And and this model has been used ever since then to help programs to see where maybe they don't meet up to the model and then can expand on their programs or if there are certain elements that they need to incorporate. And there are some basic things within that model that every state needs to address. Periodic inspection of all the dams under their jurisdiction to make sure that they're identifying whatever problems that may occur. The authority to approve construction, both for new dam construction and also for repair and rehabilitation of existing dams. The enforcement capability, the ability if you do have a, a situation where a dam owner doesn't have or isn't willing to take action or maybe doesn't have the resources in an emergency situation to take action, the state needs that authority to be able to, to make sure that the repairs get put in place. And then uh, emergency response authority so that if there is a situation with a dam, the state has the ability to go in and do whatever is necessary if there can be anything to alleviate or remediate that failure or at least alleviate the downstream impacts. Um, as part of that, the authority to require a dam owner to have an emergency action plan in place so that that dam owner knows what to do if a, an emergency situation arises and local officials know about that dam and, and know what areas could be impacted and they have a plan in place then based on that in terms of evacuations or any other type of remediation. So those are the real core areas that the model program addresses and that all states should be moving toward if they're not there already. You mentioned FEMA and its National Dam Safety Program. 
Are they doing anything these days in the face of potential risks that you can describe as uh, cutting edge or creative that we can look forward to on the horizon? A lot of the things that the national program has been focused on in terms of research and uh, development in recent years have been trying to come up with tools that can be very beneficial to dam owners in terms of how to address emergency situations or new uh, information on different types of remediations and things like that. But as an example, a a tool that uh, the federal government has helped to develop and continues to support is a modeling tool that has really lowered the cost of being able to develop a uh, an inundation map downstream of a dam to show if the dam were to fail, this is the area that would be inundated by that failure. That has in the past been a very expensive undertaking and an impediment to many dam owners in completing an emergency action plan. But through the National Dam Safety Program and their development and these new tools, a lot more emergency action plans have been put in place because it's now much less expensive, much easier, much quicker to be able to develop information about what areas might be inundated downstream. Can you give us an example of how your association works with FEMA in a concerted effort on this topic? Our association, again, you know, one of our, our main things is to provide support to the state program. And in doing so, we provide training. We work together with FEMA to enact training programs that are important to uh, state officials. FEMA helps state officials to be able to attend and participate in training through our association. We definitely work hand-in-hand with that. They also have helped provide funding for development of some of the other tools, such as the owner outreach tools some of the booklets and other information that we've developed. They're currently uh, helping to fund a website resource that we have called damfailures.org. And on that website, there are lessons learned and case studies and case histories about dam failures. It's really for anybody, but it's mostly intended for dam safety professionals, but anybody could go on there and, and learn some more information and how different dam failures have occurred and what we've learned from that, from those incidents and how to apply that in terms of regulation, design, construction of new dams. Our association has worked very closely with FEMA and the National Dam Safety Program and and all of our partners over the years to come up with new ways to help assist state regulatory programs and dam owners in upgrading their dams and making sure they stay safe. To circle back again to any potential doomsday scenarios that might be out there, I'm thinking of the Great Mississippi Flood of 1922, which I think uh, put 27,000 acres of of land underwater. Looking at the inventory of dams in the U.S. today, is there any potential scenario where something of that magnitude could possibly happen with a major dam failure? The big issue maybe with something like that would be if you had a system or a flooding event that was pretty widespread and covered you know, a large area, then you could have impacts to a lot of dams. Recent uh, events in South Carolina, unfortunately, they've had flooding in several of the last recent years, and they've seen a lot of dam failures, and some of them have cascaded. Fortunately, there was no loss of life, but there's been a lot of impact to downstream infrastructure and property damage. 
I think you can see things like that occur when you have more widespread events where a large storm event or a flooding event, you know, has occurred and has resulted in failure of multiple dams. Well, Mark, uh, I want to remind listeners again that they can learn much more about this uh, on your excellent website, damsafety.org. And then for uh, an extra diversion, damfailures.org, which might attract its own dam fans, uh, given the content that you have there. So thanks very much for joining us this morning. Thank you again. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. That's all for this edition of Hard Facts, the industry's only podcast with the latest from Capitol Hill, the administration, and the policy community addressing issues of the day, such as transportation funding, resiliency, and climate. Hard Facts is a podcast production of the Portland Cement Association. I'm Eric Kuhn.